Are you okay? Don't care. Great. Bring on the bubbly. Babe. <laughs> well, 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 podsters. If it isn't me, your host, Teeny Lewis, back for more after she said that she was done with season two and the completion of the leveling up process. But I've got something totally different in store for you guys today. I am lucky enough to be doing a show here at the Thousand Islands Playhouse in Gananoque called Back in 59. I've got the entire cast with me today. I am interviewing each and every one of them. I'm going to be interviewing the artistic director of the theater as well as our director and choreographer to take you guys along for this awesome ride and to celebrate the return of the arts. Funny story, they never left. Remember what got you through the pandemic in the first place. Remember what you missed the most. Art and people, and that's exactly what we're here doing, and I'm just honestly on cloud nine, and I had to share it with all of the popsters, all right? Okay, not okay. Um, this is the show where we unpack why nobody is okay, but I think for the first time in a long time, I'm actually okay because I'm doing what I love, and I'm blessed and lucky enough to be doing it. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the show a little bit before I bring on the cast. The show is called Back in 59. It's about four friends who attend their 10-year high school reunion and sneak away to an old hangout to reminisce and remember the music of their youth. Join them on this nostalgic trip through the 50s and 60s featuring over 70 hit songs, including Let's Twist Again, Leader of the Pack, and It's My Party. This musical mashup features incredible harmonies, clever medleys, and snappy choreography. Thank you, Steve Thomas for compiling over 3,000 alto harmonies that I've had to cram into my head. This one's for you, Steve. They buried you today. See, I got it. So Steve Thomas is our musical director. He has compiled all of this music, written these insane harmonies. The show is being directed and choreographed by Stephanie Graham. And the show was written by Tom Curry, who is a Canadian actor, director, playwright, and the current artistic director of Magnus Theatre up in Thunder Bay, where I did the show for the first time a couple of years ago. Now, this show is a beast. We do not stop for 90 minutes. 90 minutes of constant singing and dancing. And I know that's what a musical is. But when four people don't leave the stage after doing nothing for two years... It's a challenge, but equally rewarding and so special. And I honestly feel like I'm right back into the swing of things. And I have this entire team to thank. Everybody just coming together and putting on this piece of theater that is honestly just so joyful. It's for the joy. It's a musical review. Anyone who has lived during that time as a teenager or even a young adult, it is so nostalgic for them. Lots of white hair in the audience and lots of smiles under their masks it's a 50 seat theater at the moment to be to be like covid safe and everybody's masked and we are six feet away from the audience at all time and they're right there along with us for the ride it's fucking insane and i'm just so grateful to be doing it like i said i'm going to be interviewing the cast cast of four of us we are living together, baby. The Playhouse has bubbled us to keep it safe, of course, and we are spending every waking minute together. And there's no drama to report. I guess this what happens when you're like 30 and working. Nobody has time and nobody cares, and that's the way I love it. Um, so we're going to find out who these guys are, what kind of performers they are, what they were up to pre-COVID, during the pandemic, and now where they're at doing a show, things that they've missed the most, and how theater feels and looks different then versus now. Um, I've got specific questions for each of them, and then of course, they've got questions for me that they insisted on asking, and some of them are really fun, so... Buckle up, baby, and let's bring on the cast of Back in 59. Okay, Podsters, I have my first guest, Andrew Hodwitz. He plays Dave in the show, and Andrew and I actually met the last time we did the show up in Thunder Bay at Magnus Theatre. Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me, Teeny, you wondrous manic pixie dream curl of the Canadian <laughs> podcast scene. 
I'm not okay, babe. As well you should not be. Are you okay now that you're here? Oh, never. I'm never okay enough. Uh, I'm, I'm so much the more okay because you're here, but that's... Yeah. That's pretty much it. So, <laughs> podsters. Andrew's actually a podster. He's been listening to my show since day one. Thank you, darling. My sincere pleasure. I enjoyed it from the get-go, and I enjoy every episode. Well. Yeah? What's your favorite part about it? I... Th- uh, pardon me for saying just balls to the walls honesty <laughs> As I, and that, that is what I knew of you from uh, from when we first met and worked together before and the fact that you're so willing to share your just genuine positivity not toxic positivity just this, <laughs> one, this wonderful sort of like hey, life is for the living come on let's go I love that and I, I love the fact that you you tell stories that interest uh, so many different people that speak to my experience and loads that don't and that yeah. open my eyes to a lot of different ways of thinking and uh, and uh, different ways of uh, perceiving the world around you you babe <laughs> and as you guys can hear andrew has impeccable language and vocabulary i need to get him to dumb it down for me sometimes i'm like can we can we speak that in like are you okay language you're, you're the latest in a long line of people who have that request of me <laughs> this is what happens when you're raised by two teachers this is what you sound like so that's it right so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself andrew what kind of performer you are um, your background, where you were born, you just said like two English teachers raised you, <laughs> yes. makes perfect sense, take it away. Well, I was born and raised in Niagara Falls. I'm generally the only person anyone's ever met from Niagara Falls. They always say, oh, that's interesting, uh, from a little village called Chippewa. And mm-hmm. I came to uh, Toronto to college, to Randolph. Yes. And uh, I, uh, I graduated from there as a triple threat. And I maintain my triple threatedness as primarily a singer actor with a little bit of dancing shaken in just for shits oh, and giggles. Oh, sweetie, I see those <laughs> hips moving oh, in your solo. <laughs> it all comes to me naturally, I'm sure. But the and then the fourth prong of that that I've really taken to in the last few years is voiceover work. I uh, I really enjoy being in the booth and creating. I've voiced a bunch of different cartoon characters, a lot of commercials. I uh, narrated a reality show for CBC some years back, and I was the American voice of Fireman Sam, the classic UK cartoon. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Absolutely. I mean, it makes perfect sense with your voice, of course. Um, So here we are doing a play, doing a show, doing a musical together, which is awesome. However, we've all been through the fuckery that is COVID. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell the podsters what you were up to as an artist, what you were doing with your craft pre-pandemic, during pandemic, that has now brought us to being a part of some of the first theater that's coming back in Canada. Well, I was exceptionally fortunate to have had uh, this contract in the offing last year and it was a tragedy that it had to be shut down but of course all for the best in in in, in terms of safety and all of that so I was very fortunate to have this this theater contract but in and around that uh there was always there was always a, a voiceover audition or two that I was able to do at home and one thing that the pandemic really did was hone in on exactly what needed to happen to take voiceover from home to the next level as so many performers who had some inkling of it or had some interest in it really went to it whole hog because it was the safest thing to do and the safest way to do it was from home i was able to tune up my uh, my home booth uh, add uh, extra soundproofing improve the microphone quality get to know more of the computer programs to make my work that I was I would have to direct myself stand out yeah and being more in tune with that and as time went on also uh, getting involved in more online education because a lot of the voiceover courses that used to you had used to have to go into their studio now they found ways to do it online uh, minimizing the lag making sure that everybody gets heard with good quality and there's a lot of continuing education that can be done with voiceover uh, through that so I've started to do that and it's uh, inspired me to also look into more coachings for film and television uh, from my home and making the best product possible from home that's the thing eh? everyone's just kind of had to take things into their own hands. Like even your self-tape game, those of you that aren't actors, the muggles, we've been having to do all of our auditions from home. And 
ring light, okay, whatever, put up the curtain, but people are really taking their self-tapes to the next level. Mm -hmm. Like casting directors are like, whoa, we're getting like professional quality stuff here. We have the time, we have the space, hopefully you have the space. And so creating your own home studio for voiceover makes perfect sense to me. That's like a no brainer. And then you can do everything from home. Exactly. And because of that, and because we as a community have adapted to it so much, I sincerely doubt that even when we go back to whatever our new normal is, uh, I doubt that the in-person auditions will return to the way they exactly were. The fact is, so much money is saved from the casting perspective by getting people to do their work at home. And admittedly, I still feel a bit of a resentment over, oh great, now I have to be my own engineer and my own director and my own editor. (laughs) Can't I just act? Hair and makeup. (laughs) But if one has to be really honest with oneself, that's always been the case. Actors have always had to wear so many hats. So these are just new hats to wear. And the better way to look at it is say, okay, here are some new things that I can make myself proud about. I can be proud of, these are the choices I made from my own head. This is how I went out and got a coaching to make it better. This is how I learned. I can be proud of the editing work and the lighting work and the time I took to create a good product. And if it's going to be that way going forward, then we should just swallow our our resentment and (laughs) replace it with a sense of pride. Oh, actors have so much resentment. It's well, I think anyone has has resentment for something they're extremely passionate about sometimes, especially when a lot of it lies in like other people's hands. It's almost mm-hmm. like focus on what you can control, right? So yeah. you're exactly right though, Andrew. I do feel very proud of the tapes that I've been putting together mm-hmm. and kind of figuring it out. And I'm proud of everyone for fucking figuring it out this year. Absolutely. In the past, any time that my agent would come back to me and say, oh yeah, you uh, great voiceover audition, you're on the short list. And it was something that I did from home. I always felt an immense sense of pride. Like, oh, wow, I got considered to be one of the tops in who they're seeing. And I didn't have somebody in the room. I didn't have a booth person yeah. telling me, all right, try it this way. My choices were good. It's nice to have that, that kind of validation and pride coming from the work that I'm doing at home has value. Totally. And Andrew, speaking of then and now, mm-hmm. doing theater, of course, mm-hmm. moving away from voiceover, what are the main differences for you? Like, what are you seeing? What's changed? Okay, hot take. Oh. From my perspective, not much. Okay. And I think this is important for an audience, for audience members, audience goers to understand. Here's where I come from with this. From my personal uh, journey, my craft, my the work that I put into creating a character, the questions I ask and the paperwork that I do and all the rehearsal, that doesn't change because that's all me. And it doesn't necessarily change because uh, in the room with other actors, because we're all coming from the same place. We all want to create the same product. When we get it on its feet, put it in a room. Okay, the crowds are a little smaller. They're spaced. They're wearing masks. <laughs> but I need the audience to understand that does not diminish the enjoyment. And this show is a great example of that because we've done it before. We know from beat to beat in the show where the audience reacts. We know which song gets a reaction because the audience is remembering it. We know the point at which they're going to clap. We know the point at which they're going to laugh. And that has not changed. Even masked and distanced, the audience is still with us. The energy that you get from watching live art on stage does not change. Everything else about it, safety precautions and all of that, it's trappings. It's just window dressing. It is not the meat of the product. It's not what it's about. The, the, the feeling you get from watching theater, even under these circumstances, is still there. And I hope audience members who are conscientious and double-vaxxed and caring about uh, their the other people in their community will feel secure coming out and knowing that any little concession you make for safety's sake is worth it because the art is still there. What a gorgeous perspective, Andrew. I wasn't expecting that, but you're absolutely right. You know, when we got here to Gananoque, 
our other cast member, Jeremy and I had the privilege of going to see the show that was currently put, being put on, Sexy Laundry, which is a two-hander play. And we were holding each other, we were crying, we were laughing, like we were enjoying it just like we would any other show. And we're so fucking used to the masks. Like masks is like a, a, a body part at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really great that you're reminding us that, yeah, sure, it's different. We've all evolved. We have new boxes that we need to check, you know. But at the end of the day, it's about the art and the art is still there. Entirely. The the feeling you get is still there and no little concession or an adaptation we make can truly take that away. Amen, baby. Okay, moving on. Hallelujah. Can I get, can I get it from the choir? <laughs> He's loosening up, Potter. Praise be. That's how I like to see Andrew. <laughs> All right. So, specific question for you, Andrew. Mm. What has been your most favorite part about this process versus the most challenging things that are sticking out for you? Take it away. Absolutely. Well, I'll start with the challenging. And Ooh. I think really, I mean, it's in a sense obvious, but the, the most challenging thing was just getting my body back on stage. <laughs> body and mind in both cases. The body, you know, it's been a hot minute since I've really had to deal with choreography. And, uh, you know, tr- I tried to keep as, as in fighting trim as possible throughout the pandemic, <laughs> working out at home. But choreography is a different beast. And, you know, putting your feet one in front of the other as you needed to, uh, moving around a space, uh, uh, getting all that. And but then also the mental part of it, partly just... Um, remembering to ask the right questions of yourself to create a character but the other side of it was uh also not leaning back on how i did the show last time yeah because we're both coming to this show as veterans of it having like it was the last show i did before the pandemic was this up in thunder bay okay so it was a case of don't uh, i didn't want to rely too heavily on muscle memory as to how i performed it back there because i am performing it with two new people in a new space with a new audience so making sure to keep all of the material fresh. That was another challenge totally. that I put together. Uh, but in terms of favorite part uh, of coming back to theater work, and especially this, my favorite part has been just being around creative people. Mm. Having that space to to build something from the ground up. And I thought about this, and it, it, meant, it meant a lot to me that I actually had to, to write a little note down on this, is that in in deference to your amazing mantra of don't care <laughs> which is powerful and valid and works so well in so many instances in life because one can say don't care to negativity to intolerance to the things that weigh one down artists especially i love being around fellow artists because artists Care. care. Artists care about creation, cooperation, collaboration, communication, connection, consent, respecting boundaries, expanding horizons, amplifying voices. We care about the core fundamental humanity that makes life worth living. Artists care. We are care bears. And just, <laughs> just you watch us stare. Oh, Baby, I've been telling Andrew he needs to start his own podcast. Holy shit, but you're not wrong. If anybody wants to put in the comments what my podcast should be about, I will take suggestions. (laughs) There are many, many suggestions that I have, but all to say you're exactly right. You know, we're so quick to evolve and change. Like, we have no problem being like, oh, pronouns? Great, come on in. Oh, this, we had a room agreement when we started this contract. Um, Just everybody got to contribute to what our room agreement would be. The things that we would follow and the things that we would respect with one another. Oh, I said this earlier. It was a little offside. I apologize. I take ownership. Will you forgive me? Right? Like, why are we so malleable and everybody else isn't? I feel that so much of, (laughs) uh, of of the muggle world uh, whenever, whenever we talk about things like pronouns and consent and all of these things that people say, oh, you're, people today are too sensitive or you're just snowflakes or you're this or you're that. And it's like, all right, you're, you saying that to me shows that you're making a concerted effort to try to not care about things and about people and what affects people. Is it, is it, uh, is it oversensitivity to 
to really take the time to think, how are you actually really affecting somebody else around you and listening to what they have to say about it rather than imagining their response, uh, either saying that they shouldn't be uh, as as affected as they are or you assuming you know what, what is actually affecting them. If we just take the time to listen and understand and that's what this room and this community has been about. And Lord knows this community has had its problems and is still catching up on so many things. But the fact that there is a framework involved and enough people who care about implementing it means that this this change is slow and incremental, but it will be for the better. Yeah. I care. <laughs> I was about to say don't care, but <laughs> I care and great. Now, yes. before I give you the floor to ask me a question, Andrew, <laughs> I'm terrified because mm. I told the cast that they need to come with one question for me. What have you missed the most about doing theater? Oh, I've missed, I think I've missed most the connection with the audience. There has been great art and great work that has been done under the duress of um, remote performance. I, I applaud and, uh, and raise up the work of people like Donovan Lynn Abbott and Joel Lightman and uh, other, these amazing musicians who have found ways to, uh, create their own open mic shows from their own homes and to, to bring their product out there when they couldn't go out. But there is just nothing like having the, the, the energy of an audience. And that's something I miss. Uh, I, I spent a lot of my time talking uh, in, in day jobs and in other situations. And it's really great to have that emotional connection with people. But there's just something about, really when it comes down to it, just telling a story and having somebody listen to that story. Because that, that's just such a sacred interaction. It that's really storytelling. is. Absolutely. It's been around since the dawn of time. <laughs> All right, Andrew. I feel smarter just having spoken to you. Um, I really hope the positors feel the same way. In fact, I know they will. Lay it on me. What question do you have for me? Oh. Okay, well, here's the thing. I, I, I wanted to ask this of you. As one service industry member to another, Ooh. what has it been like uh, stepping away from your service industry gig, mm -hmm. the thing that puts bread and butter on the table, to come back to artistic work? after having not been, been able to do it for so long, what was it like for you to step away from the Joe job and get back on stage? And come here. Okay, so interesting yet great question, great question. Something I've definitely answered before too, but it's different now. So what's so crazy about this, Andrew, is I was so excited to go back to serving when we were allowed, mm -hmm. when restaurants could, you know, indoor dining and outdoor dining and whatever and what have you and the different fucking regulations constantly changing. But I've never been more excited to wait a table. Like, I don't know if I'm embarrassed to say that, but like I used to dread going into work, bitch about serving, bitch about people, bitch about the cooks, bitch about the manager constantly. Like it was a very negative thing that I did to put bread and butter on the table. And I'm like, why did I hate it so much? What was it about it? It was the stigma. It was definitely me feeling like I hadn't achieved um, the career that I wanted. Like, oh, I have to serve because I, I, I don't work enough or I don't book enough. And that's completely changed. Mm -hmm. Like, I, we look at all of this so differently now. Like, serving is just as good a job as any. Hello. Any job is good as any. But so having this, like, newfound gratitude for serving, which is hilarious, and then stepping away briefly to do this... It's just like best of both worlds. Like I just feel like we're winning right now. And I don't want to call it winning because that makes it feel competitive, but like honored, like just honored. Great word. Yeah. Honored to be like some of the first to come back to this, to tell these stories, to be a part of something that is affecting the community so much. I went for a chiropractic adjustment today and the receptionist is like, I know who you are. <laughs> like this is a town of 5,000 people and she's so grateful and so moved by a show that's just full of joy, really. So to come back to it, I'm super honored. I'm overwhelmed, if I'm being honest, mm -hmm. because it's short-lived. Like I'm already thinking like we have two and a half weeks left. Like I don't want it to end. Mm -hmm. Like I'm already like sad about it. 
But all to say that I have a newfound gratitude for serving. Holy shit, stab me. <laughs> and um, I'm just, if not honored, like I'm just going to leave it at that because I'm rambling. But Honestly, that's a lovely way to look at it. The, the feeling that I got, you know, the Ides of March last year when everything shut down, I came to the realization that everything that I do to uh, to sustain myself, both artistic and day job, was wholly dependent upon a society that felt secure and free enough to go out of their house in search of a good time. And who knew that that could be something that could be taken for granted? Ugh. And that, that, that floored me and we had to wait and wait and I did things other than what I'd been used to doing. And then when I got to do them again, I was grateful and honored to do it. It's a, a, a line that... Uh, I've come to hold for everything I do, whether it's whether it's service or whether it's art, because art is labor, service is labor, and all labor is honorable if you dignify it. Uh. That is something that I, that I've taken to heart because I have to admit, both jobs, both being an actor and being a server, can be the so sorts of jobs that people will say, "Oh well, that's not a real job, is it?" Uh huh. But it is because it's labor of our hands and of our hearts and of our souls and minds. And as long as we dignify it, then it is an honor and to do it. Andrew, it's the thing that everyone's missed the most. Absolutely. Why do you think Toronto basically caught on fire when the restaurants opened again? Mm -hmm. Like, why are we sold out weeks in advance? Mm -hmm. Like, the proof is in the pudding, people. Get out there. See art. Thank you so much, Andrew. My sincere pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're not okay. Nope. Podsters. I have the legend herself. You hate me already. <laughs> <laughs> Julia McClellan on the podcast. Hi, babe. Hello. You are a podcast. You've done many podcasts. Mm -hmm. And you love podcasts. I do. So this is the show where we unpack why nobody is okay. We're certainly not okay. No, but we're doing a show. So we're like semi-okay. Mm -hmm. How are you, my love? Welcome. Thanks, babe. We're tired, but we're thriving. Totally. You know? That's exactly it. We've already talked about the show on the show, but essentially 90 minutes of pure cardio. Yeah. We black out. We're unsure of where <laughs> we are. We come home, we have drinks, and we do it again. Again and again. How lucky are we? So lucky. So like at the end of the day, so fucking lucky. So yeah. happy to be here, ready to work. Um, but we need to find out a little bit about you. So why don't you tell the podsters who you are, where you're from, and kind of what you've been up to as a performer. Uh, I'm a born and raised Nova Scotianer. Represent all my Scotianers. Um, and yeah, I, I grew up not really doing music theater per se, but I danced and sang my whole life and then went to Sheridan and have sort of been in the business ever since. Um, but I'm also an avid environmentalist, as you know, and I run the Canadian Green Alliance, which is a not-for-profit that helps theaters and arts individuals make more ecologically responsible choices in their art yes. practice. And I also founded an online resource for Zero Waste Living called Zero Waste Warbler. Yes. Yeah. Which is so cool because I was following that account for years. Yeah, that's before so wild to me. Before we've actually met. Like, I love that account. I love what you're doing. And so kind of just to tie in the pandemic and what you've been up to pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and then now. Yeah. So you founded this non-profit non during COVID. Before COVID, actually. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Just before, which was hysterical but like <laughs> we're like great um but it actually was really awesome because one of like the big things we always talked about when we were founding this because we founded it probably like five months before the pandy um but we were talking like how do we hop on this moving train how do we convince like a full steam ahead industry to stop for a moment reassess like their ecological choices so then the then the pandemic happened and Obviously, like, I don't want to say the pandemic is a gift in any way because it hasn't been, but in, in terms of our business, it's been a really cool opportunity to, like, have everyone stop and readdress, like, the way they're, they're creating art. So it's been a gift for us. A fucking men. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense, right? That full stop, reassess, let's look at what we're doing and the impact that we're making on the environment considering yeah. the fucking pandemic. But that's a whole other can of worms <laughs> that we don't have time to talk about today. But... 
do tell the Potters what your catalyst was for founding this nonprofit. Yeah, so I've always been an environmentalist my whole life. I grew up in the woods. My parents are big, big hippies, so it's always been a big part of my life. Um, and I increasingly got more and more frustrated with the fact that when I was going into art spaces, I had to kind of like put my values like in my backpack and walk through and like forget that I was an environmentalist when I came into art spaces because they just weren't set up to facilitate that kind of, um, you know, thinking. So I went to New York to do a show and in the States they have an organization called the Broadway Green Alliance, mm -hmm. which is how, who we're loosely inspired by. Um, and their sort of, um, answer to environmental theater is to put a green deputy in each, uh, show. And I got to be the green deputy for Kinky Boots, which was awesome. And then as I was there, I started to kind of wonder, like, how would I have to morph this or change this to facilitate a Canadian mindset? Because we don't have, like, one central little hub where theater gets made, right? We yeah. We're spread all across the nation. So um, I partnered up with uh, a friend of mine named Tess Benger, who's my co-founder, and she also is a total, like, eco-warrior badass. Um, and so we became partners, and we've been growing it ever since. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. Thanks. Very impressive stuff. Julia has been spending her days here working on all of the above and working her ass off. Meanwhile, I'm sleeping in and watching the OC, <laughs> but again, story for another day. Um, so that's been keeping you super busy, obviously. Yeah. Um, so essentially, you're launching the book, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're launching the Sustainable Theater Guidebook for Canadian arts organizations. It'll be a guide of best practices for arts organizations divided up by departments so that basically anybody who works within an arts organization can flip to the chapter that pertains them and clean their department up and uh yeah theaters will be able to sort of like certify themselves through that process yeah so fucking cool babe mm -hmm. um speaking of the show and theater in general now we're, we're going back there um what is the main difference for you julia pre-pandemic theater world doing theater performing to now yeah like being a part so of this many. show today I would say before like I'm out yeah you know me Tini. I'm go 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 10 out of 10 <laughs> all the time what are right? you talking like, about infuriating robot status um and I would say the biggest change is that the pandemic has made me really like tender and soft like oh I've taken you know 18 months to like slow down I say as I started several businesses but I mean like <laughs> in terms of like you know really like treating myself and like making sure self-care is a part of my thing and and making sure that I'm like calling my friends and speaking to my family and like taking time for my husband like I've become this like quite like softy during the pandy and so now uh coming back into the industry where I like almost like toxically prided myself on being like balls to the walls all the time, indestructible, can't touch me, like I'm going to go, 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 go and get all of this done. I'm sort of now reconciling these two humans where I'm coming back into this business where I have all that sense memory of like workaholicism. You mentioned this the other night. Right. And this new softer person who like prioritizes rest. Can you what even imagine? What the fuck is that? Yeah. So I would say that's the biggest difference. Like I've learned how to really like forgive myself for things and like be softer with myself and that new girl in this setting is really like strange to reconcile but cool so strange but so cool yeah. and this show being the beast that it is totally. as much as it's 90 minutes of joy like we're not prepping to go do Check the off. Scottish play exactly <laughs> <laughs> we're having so much fun backstage pre-show we're talking shit in the dressing room yeah. whatever right yeah. it's not heavy in nature no. But it's a beast in itself, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've had to come home and drill those harmonies mm -hmm. and those dance steps. And it's like, no, no, no. I can take a night to let that marinate. Yeah. Like, what a revelation, you know? Like, before we would have driven ourselves into the ground, like, would have been so mad at ourselves for making one mistake and all this stuff. But, like, yeah, the pandemic has really made us, like, readdress, like, how unhealthy that is. So unhealthy. Yeah. And just be more forgiving with others as well as yourself, mm -hmm. right? And I know that's something we worked on in the room with our director and choreographer, Steph. Like, yeah. she was so open about talking about where we were at. Like, we don't want to overwhelm anyone. We mm -hmm. need to create this amazing piece of art, but, like, we can do it yeah. without feeling like we're going to kill ourselves. And, like, can we create theater that quickly within a culture of care like is that even possible like can we do that and i think we just did babe. i think we did so yeah 
but that's the biggest change I think is just like not being this sort of robot power <laughs> mentality and just taking time for rest and recuperation and all that stuff no that's that's beautiful and that's that's a really great reminder for everyone artists aside slow the fuck down like easier said than done right oh my gosh everything's easier (laughs) said than done this year it's been the year of perspective for me I'm calling it a year meanwhile we're going on two but you know it's like the year of like exactly perspective like Mm -hmm. holding space but then also recognizing your privilege right Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um Okay, I've changed my question only because you brought up your husband. So I'm just so fascinated at couples, married couples that make, like you're both artists and you're Mm -hmm. both actors. Can you like tell us a little bit about that? And like, not the pros and cons because don't fucking care, but like (laughs) essentially like the best part and then sometimes the things that can be problematic. Yeah. I mean, I'm super lucky. Um, We were just chatting about this as a cast like last night or something, but I'm super lucky that like my husband Mike is very chill, so relaxed. Like we both give each other a tremendous amount of space, an untraditional amount of space yeah. in terms of like being ourselves, go doing our work, coming together when we have time. Like we're we're just really good at like affording each other that. So I am very lucky in the way that like I don't have a lot of the same restrictions that a lot of people in artist on artist relationships have. So I will say I'm just very lucky that I married this wonderful person. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the great things are that they understand your life. Yes. You know, when you're like, oh, see you later, going to here. Like, for like for eight s- months. Yeah, for like eight <laughs> months, bye. They're like, oh, instead of being like, what? They're like, congrats, you know? And then the downside is that like, if you're not careful, you can, and maybe this isn't a downside for some people, but it would be for me. If you're not careful, like your whole life revolves around this like really fickle and sometimes disappointing industry so we're just really good about boundaries like we don't try we try not to shop talk at home like we really try not to like bring the industry into our house like we just try and you know have your your sort of like normal life without having to have it revolve around this industry all yeah i mean because we we struggle with that with our friends that are artists right so i can only imagine like not that your partner is your punching bag but you like to come home and un you know, unleash and dump everything out on the table sometimes, right? Right. And for me, like, being with someone who's not in the industry, like, I'm not saying he doesn't understand, but it's just, it's different. It's a different dynamic, right? So, you know, his bullshit problems at the dealership versus mine at the audition, you know? Like, sometimes it's just hilarious talking about it. I'm like, we are never going to get this. Right. Like, 100%. (laughs) It's just, like, different experiences. Exactly. But both so great. And I just love that, like, you've talked so much about that balance with you and Mike. Mm -hmm. And you guys gig together too, right? Yeah. That's the other thing. We both come from more, like, a musician background than we do a theater background. Like, I definitely grew up singing and dancing and stuff, but... Like, I grew up in the woods, so, like, I swear to God, Wicked was the first time I was, like, a musical? Like, I I was a late bloomer in this industry, and so was Mike, so. What was it like being, like, such a, you call yourself Woodland Barbie, right? (laughs) (laughs) She said this the other day, I was like, yup, I'm coining that, I love. Like, being in New York City, when you had to move, she's so funny, she's like, I went to New York to do a show, I'm like, bitch was on Broadway, um, great, but what was that, like, such a culture shock? I mean, you'd been in Toronto at that point. Yeah, I'd been in Toronto for like uh, like six or seven years. So I was used to a big city and I had toured a bunch too. So I'd gone to like all these big American cities um, previously on tours. But New York is a beast of its own. It's a whole, she's a saucy wench and she's got her <laughs> own personality. You can't compare her to anybody else. Um, I liked it a lot. I, I think it's going to be one of my favorite places to frequent often and go visit. It's not a place for me to live like long term. I I know that's not where my life's going to be just because there's so many things that I value so deeply in life that like New York just can't really offer. And like namely nature and access to green space even though Central Park's obviously incredible. Right. But like I want to, you know, it's a concrete jungle for a reason. True. Where dreams are made of. Yeah. Or go to die. Or I mean die. whatever. <laughs> We're the worst. Um, But yeah, like, and there's just a, there's a pace and there's like a difficulty to living in New York that um, part of me loves. You're just like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Like that statement is so true about New York. But on the other hand, like, 
I don't, I don't want to, I don't want the struggle. <laughs> no, and you've done it, right? Yeah. How cool that you're yeah. able to check those boxes. Totally. What have you missed the most? Like as, ta- as tacky of a question as no, that is, what it. have you missed the most about doing theater? I miss like, there's this element to what we do that is so freaking communal. Like no show is made, you know, in an in isolation. Like it's like a huge endeavor of this big community, right? From the people in the rehearsal hall all the way up to like the executive director to like the front of house staff. And there's this weird magic about like an opening night or a show that if you stop just to take a second and think about how many people it took to make this thing happen is like really overwhelmingly like emotional. I just, I think it's so special. And I think I took that very much for granted. Like that there was, you know, a hundred or more people working on making this one moment of joy happen for like these 50 butts in these seats. And through the pandemic, things have been so largely isolated. You know, we've been working with our coworkers and stuff, but it's all online and like whatever. It's been so nice to come back and I'm realizing what I missed most was like this huge community push to make this like thing happen for no other reason other than joy. And joy. And, you know, and, uh, and culture. So I think that's what I've missed the most. It's like you have a built-in baseball team when you do a show you know and we just haven't had that for 18 months and so it feels really cool to be back in that that thing yeah and it's a great reminder too right like when you go see a show you're often you see the actors and then when they bow they you know they point to the musical director or the the band and they point to the oh right of course yes it's the technical people but it's like it is a village it's yeah it's such a huge team sport and I mean, I shouldn't call it a sport. It's literally an art. It's the sport. But you know what I mean? It's like this team, the teamwork is like so um, just joyful. It's magical. It. It's really magical, yeah. And especially at somewhere like TIFF, you feel it so strongly because there's yeah. such a team here. Yeah. And we were such a team in the room too because like literally contractually we couldn't see anyone else. Um, <laughs> but also just like the personalities on our, on our crew were the best. Yes, and we're living together, yes, as I mentioned are. at the top of the episode, which is hilarious. I wish there was drama to report. There isn't really anything to say. We're literally currently recording this podcast in a weird nest of blankets that Tini <laughs> has created on the basement floor. We love it. Um, Julia, mm. what do you got for me? I want to know. Oh, God. <laughs> She's full of surprises, this one, so I'm fucking scared. I want to know um, if you were not with Raph. <gasps> If you could go on any reality love or dating TV show, which one would you choose and why? <laughs> I'm fucking obsessed with you <laughs> that you would ask this because we've talked so much about Bachelor in Paradise, Love Island, <laughs> The Circle. Uh-huh. Okay. If Does it have to be a date? Yeah, it has to be a dating show. Dating or love because those are the trashiest and I want to know your inner trash. I want to be the fucking bachelorette. Like, okay. end of story. I want to skip The mm-hmm. Bachelor and mm-hmm. I want to be the bachelorette. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to date fucking 25 men. <laughs> Don't care. Yeah, and then we'll put Raph in as a plant and then you guys can just get take the money and run. And amazing. Amen. He'd be all over that. When yeah. I get DMs about like semi feet pics, Raph's like, do it, babe. <laughs> like he is my cheerleader. Okay, so when you and Raph pull off this long grift, I want to cut because I came up with the idea. Totally. Done. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me, Julia. This was the best. I, I love sharing a dressing room with you. Oh, the best. <laughs> okay, the right. final guest on the chopping block. Gotta save the most not okay for last. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> we have Jeremy Carver Jones. Cheers, babe. Jeremy Carver James. Name bitch. <laughs> Yeah, it's alright. My middle name is Quincy, so it's like oh Quincy Oh my Jones. god, I'm so fucking embarrassed. Oh my god, you're like half the critics. It's okay. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm just joking. Babe, it's okay because I get called Justin wherever I go, so. I know. I there still it call is. you Justin to this day, girl. I <laughs> cannot believe I just called you Jeremy Carver Jones. <laughs> it's alright, Podsters. You listening? JCJ, of course we've got a little vodka soda for this interview. We needed some liquid courage. Hero. Um, so welcome to the show. Jeremy has yet to listen to the podcast, so he's not a 
podster, but he's a newly conformed. Don't care. True. Um, and that's all I can ask for. Um, I've absolutely loved working with you and living with you, babe. Same so here, babe. It's been amazing. <laughs> We've had a couple late nights. Um, so that being said, my love, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what you are mostly known for, what you've done the most of, I guess. Um. Well, I'm from Calgary, Alberta. Uh, I'm mostly known for singing, I guess, and acting. Like, uh, I went to school at McGill for opera and then kind of switched into theater afterwards. And then, um, yeah, I've been doing stuff at, like, Shaw Festival at Drayton. Honey, he's booked and blessed. You know? Him and the callbacks, and now he's off this theater and this theater after this, and here I am like, yeah, I can't wait to wait (laughs) some tables. Um. (laughs) You're a waitress? Sweetie, server first, actor second. I'm kidding. Words are spells. Booked and blessed as well. Very grateful to be here um, doing this show with you. All to say. Um, So, Jer, where were you pre-pandemic with your craft, during the pandemic, and then now putting on a show? Um, Well, right before the pandemic, I was actually in workshops for a musical, Pollyanna. Okay. And I was just about to start rehearsals for this new opera, Tremonitia, that was going to be touring through the States. And then as mm. the pandemic was unfolding, they like canceled the like States tour. And then they were like, we're doing a sit down in Toronto. And then they're like, just jokes. Everything's canceled. Yeah. So then I was in Toronto and I actually hadn't spent that much time in Toronto. I've been based there for about like eight, nine years now, but this is like the longest I've actually been there. So I actually got to like find an apartment, set down some roots. Be a human. Know, be a human being, which was crazy. It was a... Yeah, it was a great learning experience, actually. Yeah, do you feel like you took a step back from performing and creating for a minute? For sure. Well, also yeah. because like there wasn't like the like pressure and the hustle because like there wasn't like oh I should be doing this because there's auditions. It was generally like there is nothing going on right now. So like it was a good time to like reflect and just kind of like rebuild a little bit and just you know find like priorities that weren't just like. I totally feel that, Jeremy, and I yeah. think that a lot of performers or anyone really self-employed or anyone who has a passion like it's just it gave us the time to pause obviously to reflect (laughs) as tacky as that sounds at this point but it's true right especially when you're go 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 and you're book book booked and you're traveling so Mm -hmm. much and you're constantly living in different places and different homes and different billets and different condos and like on tour, on a bus, on a plane, whatever, you're sitting down for the first time ever in a city that you essentially call home but was never really home. Exactly. And did you find that hard to take that pause? For sure. Well, for me too, like, I love people. I love (laughs) traveling. I was, like, always on the go, ready to live, ready to party. And then all of a sudden it was, like, none of that. So I was, like, oh, my gosh. You know, and I'm like, I like spending time by myself, but that was too much time. That's you know it. I mean? I'm the same, babe. Yeah. Like, as much as I'm an outgoing extrovert, I do like same. my alone time here and there. But we're both, you can tell, very social people. That was probably, like, I'm very lucky because I had my partner that I was living with. But, like, that was probably the hardest. And just knowing that, like, my day job and my, like, passions completely pushed the sideline. I talked mm-hmm. about, we talked about it with Andrew and, like, what people were so hungry to come back to, which is that social aspect For sure. of life, yeah. right? And the things that we love to do. So, okay, so now you're doing a show, which is yes. like super fucking crazy. It's been amazing. Mm-hmm. What is the main difference, Jeremy, for you personally, doing theater then versus theater now with this show post COVID? Actually, during COVID, I guess. Yeah, I would say. Well, for sure, like I was always appreciative, like, but like now coming into it. It's just a completely different experience because even like during the pandemic, like I was like, oh man, like at the beginning I was like, I'm so thankful for the break. And then you're like, this is so much break. And then like, especially doing all those things where you're talking about the industry and you're like, why is live theater important? And I was like, okay, it's because like the audience makes a difference, but you just say it so many times. But then to relive that again, you're like, no, it is completely different experience. Like with the audience there and just hearing the laughter and fueling that story and being able to like take the trajectory of a character and like share that with people. Like that's something you don't like film and TV, like you can tell like clippets of it, but it's not the same thing as theater. Like right. where they're on board with you. And it's just been really magical to like have that experience of like hearing the laughs and seeing them like fall in love with the characters and stuff. Like it's yeah, there's nothing like it. And I was saying that so many times during the pandemic, but then like reliving it now, I'm like so much more appreciative. Yeah. So speaking of the audience, babe, that was one of my specific questions for you. Have you noticed any changes in the audience? For sure. 
They're like a lot what? more tight-lipped, you know. I'm just joking. <laughs> they're fully masked, so you don't see any of the lips. But uh, no, the audience is like, they're so happy to be there. And like, yeah, you can feel like the energy. It's like still palpable for sure. But it is like, it, it is a different experience, you know. And like we're moving with like the guidelines that are recommended and that's amazing. But it's, yeah, it's, it's different still. It's know? still very, yeah. Like it's interesting, right? Because we are looking out into a crowd of mass, socially distanced people but they're so happy to be there. And you mm-hmm. want to know why I know they're happy to be there? Because me and you, I talked about this in my interview with Andrew, we went to see Sexy Laundry here at the Playhouse. Yes. Um, there was two <laughs> last minute tickets and I was so exhausted and overwhelmed with rehearsal, but I was like, you know what? You convinced me to go. You're like, let's just go, babe. It'll be an hour and 15 minutes. And we were like clutching each other. Actually, <laughs> like convulsing in tears. I'm like, oh my God. Like just, yeah, it was amazing. It was incredible. Not only did these two actors like nail the show to the fucking wall. Yeah. But to, to, to listen to a story and to be affected by it. And also a story about like marital, like Mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin the play yeah. for anyone. Yeah, but it's about relationships, especially during the pandemic when we've all been <laughs> so close with, the, you know, that special someone or like a roommate. And you're like, okay. We can all relate can to all those relate tough to conversations mm-hmm. and those the ebb and flow of relationship, especially yeah. post-pandemic or currently living in the pandemic. Still, like as much as like things are loosening up, it's still very much a part of our reality. Oh, damn, just got a Snapchat. I thought I put my phone on silent. Look at me not following my own rules. Typical. <laughs> Trouble. Typical. I'll see you. Um, so yeah, so affected in a different way. Granted, it was the first show I had seen. Yeah. In, you know, two years, but love sharing that experience. I with know, you. me too. That was magical. <laughs> I mean, I like, like just oh my met. God, yeah. Um, okay, great. So, babe, another question I have for you is what's the funniest thing that's happened to you on stage so far? During this show? Yeah. Oh my god. There's so many. Aside from the sweating. Like, okay, sweating is <laughs> a full bit. I don't know. The traffic medley, like, there's this medley that's about, like, traffic accidents. Always kills me. Like, I'm just trying to keep it together. It's so beautiful, <laughs> but it's so funny. So, so it's kind of like this, like, parody bit in the show where we sing about traffic accidents and, like, <laughs> car crashes and, like, actual sad shit. <laughs> I know, but... but- it's made into a joke. I don't really know how to explain it. But it the writer is twisted. Tom Curry, we yeah, love you. Um, that being said, you've almost corpsed. I think you, yeah. Yeah, like rehearsals were hard to like, get through that number. But how like, about the other night when you got up from your stool and knocked it over? I just stood over. I'm like, crazy songs. Chuck that stool. Nothing like a violent stool movement to get you no, going, No, literally, right? I, like, <laughs> everyone jumped. I was like, okay, we just didn't even acknowledge it. And guys, my shirt literally ripped on stage the other night. Like, I got hooked onto the bar, oh and it was God. like, rip. Yes. I looked down, I'm like, great. Um, so, <laughs> no. so a few quirky things have happened to us. Well, it's such a fun crew of people, too. Like, it's been, yeah. It's been yeah, magic. and I know I talked about the show briefly in the beginning, guys, but it's 90 minutes of, like, cardio where we don't leave the stage like Like an orange theory class yeah (laughs) literally barry's boot camp theater edition um so shit's bound to happen um jer yes what's the thing that you have missed the most about doing any of this um great question well, first off, the income. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. No, income's been awesome. Thank you, Justin. But um, it, honestly, it's the community. And I say that so many times, but it's the community and the people. Like, theater has this whole thing where you, like, have the front of house and you have the box office and you have the crew and you have the cast and the director. Like, there's so many people that go into making a show happen. And I feel the coolest thing about theater is that you really get to be a part of all of them like a lot of the other arts like even when I do like opera I find it's like not as much communication between other departments and like even in tv film you're like kind of like doing your own thing but in theater it's like the whole team comes together it's a collective it's a collective and it's like that magic and that energy and that like excitement is like yeah it's something that just can't be beat you know like I know we're really lucky right now and there's a resilience behind it and I feel like that is also why theater will come back you know because 
there's so many people that are invested and care about it, you know, which is cool. yeah, especially this little town, right? Yeah, it's been me. Yeah, it's very it's sweet. Magical. Arne. Oh, just <laughs> almost called you Andrew. <laughs> you know, one sip wow. of liquor and she's slurring. <laughs> exactly, and that's the last we saw of her. I'm no, just joking. Um, don't care. Don't care, babe. <laughs> I want to take give it away to you. Um, do you have a question for me? Hmm. What has been your most interesting part of coming back to this? My most interesting part. Hmm. Like, what have you missed the most? What have I missed the most? Yeah. Me not able to answer these questions and like staring at the mic. <laughs> um, I've definitely missed the fire. Of it. So a lot during the pandemic, a lot of my close friends, my dear friends are non-performers and it was really hard for me to, I am a people pleaser. I'm a yes girl mm -hmm. working on it in therapy. The podsters are really aware of that journey. Um, and I don't, it's not that I don't like to show weakness, but I don't like to complain and I don't really like to make things about me. Right. Yeah. So when I would, people ask me how I was doing, like I didn't want to lie, but I also didn't want to go on this dragging story about how I miss doing what I love to do and what I've dedicated my life to doing because it truly was ripped away from us. But how selfish does that sound when there are people dying? For sure. Yeah. Right. So it's that healthy balance of like holding space for like what you miss and like what you're entitled to miss yeah. versus like perspective for sure. of like what's going on. Yeah. I right. That for sure. Exactly. We can all relate. So for me, like being able to come back and know that like my purpose is real, member babe, like after yeah. day one of rehearsals, I have purpose. I fell to my knees, the day was done, and I was like, I have purpose. Because it's true. Mm -hmm. Because like what I want to do and feel that I am meant to do is finally like cultivating and like happening again. So it's very overwhelming, but it's so fun and I'm so grateful and just so happy. Like, I don't want to yeah. say that I'm so happy, but like... But no, it's true. Well, it's actually very interesting because uh, when your family came to opening mm -hmm. and one of the things that your mom actually said to me was like, yeah, like, you know, just seeing Teeny like doing this again, like she loves this so much and she seems like so happy. And it's, I know. It's true. And it's like, yeah, even just being back into a show, like I feel like a glow that was just missing or dimmed you know? the candle was just put out for mm. a little bit and also i think any artist or anyone that's been affected by the pandemic in terms of like their passion and their route and their trajectory with work is that it was a forced stop mm -hmm. and so if you redirected that energy into something completely different amazing good for you but a lot of people didn't know what to do with that yeah. Burnt out candle. For sure. It was a huge loss and like I just feel yeah, a lot of things. Yeah. I feel a lot of things. But essentially yeah. that. The it's fire. Amazing. Like yeah. we've lit the candle again. Look yeah, at us with the references. Oh, well yeah, well, and the show says thank you for giving us hope, you know. Yeah, thank and you for true. giving me the hope back yeah. is what Dave's character is what the character of Dave says at the end of the show, Podsters, is that when this is all said and done and we wrap up the high school reunion and my character and his character like bury the hatchet and decide that they're going to go out together on a date yeah. and like there are feelings and emotions there. He's like, thank you for giving me the hope back. And that's exactly what this show is doing. And that's exactly what theater does. Yeah. And it's exactly what this company is doing. Like the fact that they're doing a production in these times right now, it's like giving hope because Things are coming back. That's, that's what exciting he for everybody. Said. Yeah. Yeah, the artistic director of the theater on opening night, we had this little socially distanced gathering on the deck, and he was like, Listen, like, we are fueling other theaters' fires. That's mm -hmm. not exactly what he said and putting words in his mouth, but essentially he was like, you know, this is the gate. Like, we're inspiring others that like they can do this. Yeah, they can do theater during yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. With smaller audiences, with massed audiences, with yeah. smaller casts or whatever, right? Yeah. So, Jared, this uh, wraps up your first podcast. I'm obsessed. Thanks, Posters, for tuning in. Yes, tuned in. Yes. Um, anything you want to add? Well, you know, I'm not okay, and I don't care. <laughs> I love you, Podsters. Thanks for listening.
Bring on the bubbly podsters. That is a wrap on my cast interviews. Next week, we're going to be hearing from Brett Christopher, who is the artistic director of the Thousand Islands Playhouse here in Gananoque, to find out how the fuck he brought theater back during a pandemic. And then we're going to be chatting with Stephanie Graham, who is the iconic choreographer and director of our show. Things tend to get a little deep when I chat with Steph, so pack your Kleenexes, baby. Make sure you're not driving. I'm kidding it won't get that deep lots of joy to unpack thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode thank you for supporting me as well as supporting the arts i've got one last surprise for you podsters just because the show has been sold out for weeks and it's only a 50 seat theater here in the quaint little town of gananoque does not mean you cannot enjoy back in 59 from the comfort of your own home we've got four live stream dates to choose from where you can virtually stream our show for just under $30. I'm going to have all of the information in the show notes. Link in my bio on Instagram. Follow me at teeny time. That is T-E-N-E time. Like me on Facebook. Subscribe to the show. If you like what you heard and you're a first time podster, join the team. Join the gang. Bring on the bubbly. Rate my show. Leave a review if you're feeling generous and I'll see you next week, baby. (laughs) 